Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name is Kurt Robinson. And my name is Aaron Battle. So today we're talking about society. We're talking about a moral compass. Do people actually have a moral compass? Do people actually know how to think about morality? Is philosophy something that's very absent from our society so people don't actually know how to analyze their decisions to see if they are moral? Definitely. People are not thinking. Yeah. <laughs> anymore. Uh, now today we're going, to, we're going to talk about that ability to, to critically map that compass. So to understand where you are and to take your decisions without being distracted or influenced by maybe programming from your parents or, you know, what society might lead you to think is okay. Also, mm. any previous education of, uh, we talk about parenting, we talk about how to be responsible adults and how to train a dog. <laughs> how to train your little two-year-old pug named Wally, specifically. Now, Just that one. <laughs> yep. So, um, are people in society actually moral or do they just have a bunch of rules that they go by and when they don't have rules for a situation, maybe they just fly off the track and, and don't know what to do or if they're in a situation where they're not held accountable, maybe they're going to mm. do something nasty. And that's what was seen recently with the, with the, the tragic case in Chihuahua and Aaron will tell us about that in a second. So uh, press like on Facebook, hover over the get notifications button on, hover uh, <laughs> over the like button on Facebook and press the get notifications button because that means you get to see us every time we post something uh, that gets into your face and starts eating you from, from the inside like a, a brain-eating parasite. And press like on YouTube, press it, subscribe button on YouTube, press a subscribe on iTunes and Pocket Casts so you can get our brilliant, amazing, shining episodes of Pure Light delivered to your phone or other device. And also, we love you guys so much. We, do, we absolutely appreciate everybody listening out there. We also appreciate it when you, when you interact with us. Send us a tweet on Twitter. I'm at Trouble Bubble. At Battle AZ. Yep, and we also love it when you go on donate.theparadiseparadox.com and, and leave us a few bones. When we open up our, our accounts, like a blockchain account, our PayPal account, and we see that there's a, a little bit of money going in, every cent brings a little tear to our eyes. Every Satoshi makes us say, wow, um, we really exist. We're real people. Restores our damaged self-esteem and makes us feel good all around. So please do, do a little bit of that suggested donation one US dollar per episode that you like. And go on theparadiseparadox.com. If you're gonna buy something from Amazon and you know you're going to buy a million, gazillion, trillion dollars worth of uh, crazy equipment so you can fake a moon landing, uh, we want you to go on theparadiseparadox.com, click on shop Amazon, and that'll take you through to Amazon. It's not gonna cost you any extra doesn't cost you any inconvenience. It's not going to cause a, a mind-bending dwarf to appear behind you and pull your pants down while you're not looking. All it's going to mean is that we receive a little bit of the commission. So if you're going to buy something from Amazon, uh, please do that and show, show a little support, show a little love, show us that you care, opening your, your Care Bear power and uh, projecting a, a giant heart towards it, us. 
Thanks, Braveheart. No, Lionheart. <laughs> Thanks, Lionheart, for sending those donations. So <laughs> let's get into it. So, Aaron, you had a, a news article that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yesterday it came to, I don't really watch the news. So mm. I don't read much of the news unless it gets posted to my, to my Facebook. Mm. But uh, Joanna came home from work and it was quite on topic that, you know, something happened here in Mexico that was disturbing to many people. Mm. So, um, north of Mexico in Chihuahua, there was a group of, five kids that decided to invite out a sixth kid and play kidnap. Right. Play kidnapping. And, uh, you know, I guess it sounds fairly normal, doesn't it? I mean, I used to play cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers yeah. as kids. Yeah. So, you know, of course the kids Some, started... Somewhat normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, kids will be boys will be boys. Um, but, but in this case, the, it involved kidnapping the kids. So um, the dynamics of the group were there was two 15-year-old boys, mm. there was uh, two 13-year-old girls, and a 11-year-old boy, and a 6-year-old mm. boy. So they decided to pick on the 6-year-old boy and play kidnap. And so that involved tying his hands and feet up. And then uh, somehow it escalated to them holding a stick against his throat where he started to suffocate. Then that escalated to, I mean, this is what the, this is what they, the article says, that they uh, started. Alleged, to, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, I'm only reading here. So they, um, they, they stoned him. They removed his eyes. They, um, they, they suffocated him, uh, stabbed him in the back about 20-odd times. And then uh, burnt him and buried him. Um, after all that, they covered the, the shallow grave over and they put a, a dead animal they must have found nearby um, on top of where the grave was so that any animals that came to dig him up or any smells, there'd be that distraction. So this happened last Thursday, which is what, half a week ago. Mm, okay. Right, uh, just uh, in May, May 2015, yeah, as, as time of speaking. So, and you said this happened in Chihuahua. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's a, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, you have to. You definitely have to wonder what would lead uh, what would lead somebody to do something like that. Like it's it's not like, I mean, you can hear about stories of murder that are that are motivated by maybe by, by passion or by greed and like someone offing their rich husband or something like that. But in, in this case, it's not like, it doesn't seem like the kids ha had any such intention. It seemed like they were just like playing some, yeah, like playing some kind of strange game and um, maybe got out of hand or like they just thought it was fun or, or something like, how could you even speculate what was going through these kids' minds at that time? I've tried. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you wonder. You wonder, like, you know, 
out of the, the five kids that were watching, mm. I mean, they, they couldn't have all taken part at the same time. Mm. I mean, obviously there was, there was someone um, that, that initiated the, the escalation. Right. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, if it was one of them the ringleader and one of them was more, was more dominating. And, and, and I also wonder, like, everybody has these uh, strange impulses sometimes, like you, you feel like poking somebody with, with a stick or, do, you know, doing something cruel to somebody just because. I, th- I think that crosses everybody's mind at some stage. But, of course, if you're a well-adjusted, sensible person, then you don't act on that urge. Uh, you just let it set it aside and say no. That's you know that's not an acceptable uh, range of behavior. And so I'm just going to leave that and continue on my life in a normal, peaceful manner. But these children didn't have that or didn't exercise that kind of common sense, if you can call it that, or you know, common good nature. Not at all. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, I mean, you think you can you can make up as much as you as much as you want to say. You know, obviously the eleven year old boy, I, I, kind of hard to imagine he was the the ringleader. Mm. Um, but then you think you know maybe the girls that were involved, maybe one of the the two fifteen year old two fifteen year old guys. I mean, at fifteen, you need you have a good idea of what you're doing, and yeah. you know even if say one of the younger children, you know, started going too far, like you don't you don't throw rocks at. At people, maybe as kids. I mean, maybe I throw a rock or two at someone, but mm-hmm. I mean, not not in any intention to to really hurt them. Like mm-hmm. the, I mean, to kill them. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's really it's really hard to to understand. But the police, in the in the the brief sections that they quoted here from the, in the news from the report, they say that you know it's not it's not that um, surprising or it's not that unexpected when you got you know Mexican cultures quite violent and there's these, yeah. these sort of cases on the news all the time. So, you know, so the children are kind of a little bit, uh, to an extent, desensitized to the whole notion of, I mean, I was more shocked that kids knew to bury him and put a, a, an animal on top. Yeah. You know, like that, that was, that doesn't even come to my mind. When I heard that part of the news, I was like, wow, they really, they really knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, they had some kind of idea. Obviously, they weren't good enough because they were found, well, no, well, Apparently. what happened was one of the uh, one of the younger kids um, confessed to his mum uh, because okay. I mean, obviously the police were turning her up to the houses, wondering, you know, have you seen seen little Christopher, mm. and uh, and no one's no one's seen him. Juan Miguel Lopez Gotija Junior. <laughs> um, I, I, I had the article here, but I, I lost it. Oh, wait, here it is. Oh, his name was Christopher. I thought yeah. you were just blanking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Poor little bugger. No, Christopher Ramundo Marquez Mora. Yeah, so poor, poor Christopher. But um, yeah, it makes me think about a few things like these um, these these cases. Um, like, there's a couple of movies that are made about these peculiar cases, like the case of uh, Sylvia Likens. Uh, this this. Movie was made about it in 2007. The girl, girl next door, it's called. Um, it's not not to be confused with the other girl next door, which was released in 2004. That one is about and the neighborhood porn star. This one, um, the girl next door, 2007, is about a very different theme. The case of Sylvia Lake, and so in, in 1965, uh, this young girl went to live with her aunt, 
um, because something happened to her parents when they were in a in a car crash or something something tragic happened to her parents weren't able to take care of her. Um, so she went to live with her aunt and and um, her aunt's three sons. And in in the movie. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how accurate the movie portrayal is, but, but the, the basic story is the same. So it's, it's kind of tragic what happens is the, the, the mother is, is somewhat angry or she has a jealous nature or she's like a, a little unhinged or who knows what. Some even claim she was secretly a Satanist. Uh, I'm not sure if that has any validity. That, um, the, the thing is she was the, this woman was um a bit a bit strange in that she would let the kids come and go like these are only young children like 12 12 13 14 years old and they would come around and, and smoke cigarettes and drink beer and um she she didn't mind um she she would even give them beer and um then with the cousin um they started started getting worse and worse towards this this cousin started or the, the niece um started being more and more cruel like the, the mother would pick on her and then it got it gets to the case where you can see her like st strung up in the basement and being tortured uh, people extinguishing their cigarettes on her sexually abusing her all this really nasty stuff and in the movie there's a there's a key scene and and the the neighbor is, is there and the neighbor is more or less the, the hero of the movie um, unfortunately doesn't 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 quite make it in time but the, the, the thing is then the neighbor is there and it's like hey you know this is going too far we shouldn't be doing this and and the uh, the young boy says the the young cousin says we have permission so it's like it, it doesn't matter what we do because you know our mom isn't going to punish us and i have to i wonder what this says about people if if that's a, an accurate representation of the mentality like if you're allowed to do something does that mean well maybe you go ahead and do it like if you're in this situation where you know there won't be any consequences what are you going to do are you, are you going to hold back are you going to exercise restraint or are you going to let loose all of your weird and you know irrational impulses on somebody who can't defend themselves? Yep. Hmm. I think a lot of people do let loose. Once yeah. they once they cross that line, it's really hard to pull yourself back into you know, into that that moral lane where you you know hmm. you don't you don't go either right or left and you stay true to what you to what you believe. But when yeah. you, but when you don't really feel anything. Um, you know, it's a slippery slope. So that, uh, that does make me question. Like, do, I, I think a lot of people don't really have an idea of what morality is. And philosophy remains a very unpopular subject. People don't stop to question their, their moral choices. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they do, but not, not very frequently. And like with the, with the case I brought up the other week on Facebook where with the Bali Nine, uh, being executed by the Indonesian government and people uh, on fa on my Facebook are just like, yeah, fucking kill him. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> just that's it? Like, just let him let him die. That's your that's that's what you have to say about this matter. That's like that is what all of your careful, you know, pensive 
philosophical thought has led you to just fucking kill them and that's uh, that's that's disgusting and that um i can't believe sometimes that there are people like that um and that but this is the this is the the question of that whole condition um that that, that people don't seem to have a moral compass they don't uh, necessarily know what right and wrong is. Maybe they just know what's socially acceptable. I guess the, the interesting point here is that you don't realize you need to think. Yeah. Because yeah. I've never thought about, do I think or not? <laughs> Obviously, I do think because I'm doing things a little bit different than other people. Yeah. But for the biggest part of my life, I, I wasn't thinking. Right. And I was kind of just following suit or doing as mm. I was programmed. And I think a lot of us do, and we don't realize that, that, we, that we are required to think. Well, I mean, that's because we're not required to think. That's mm. because we have the whole system laid out in front of us. Mm. And thinking about our own psychological stance or um, I guess even understanding who we are yeah. is, is never questioned or never, it's never raised in society. I mm. guess, you know, when you get to your mid-20s or early 30s, and you think, you know, am I really doing something meaningful with my life? That's when you start thinking and you just realize where well, you lost, you know, the, the first big part of some of the best years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I guess that's a, that's a key reason why we have these words, these phrases like midlife crisis. A midlife crisis is an indication that you, you went through your life without thinking and then you all of a sudden you realize that, you haven't done shit, you haven't accomplished anything or what you've done isn't, isn't valuable and you don't know how, what to do to fix it. No, it's a scary place to be Yeah, because you, you realize I put all this work into where I am now. Mm. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to give it up. And, you know, you might be happy in the career or mm. in the studies that you've chosen, but, you know, I've only got half a year left. I've only got that, you know, that last thesis to write. Um, <laughs> And, and, that, and that's me, that, that's going to make me something. That's, that's going to, I can identify with that, that vision of who I'm going to become. But, but they, forget to, they, they forget to be who they want to be uh, you know, in the short term or in the day-to-day. Who does that, people or you? Well, no, <laughs> I... Uh, You're talking about your thesis. Yeah, so. no, I, I threw that in there. It's kind of a, a funny joke. Um, <laughs> I, I went, I, I guess I, I've been through maybe two of these phases, like where it's like a semi-crisis of like, oh, uh, mm. it, it, it's, a, it's a good jolt. It's like, you know, you're running, life's good, and all of a sudden, bam, I'm not with the right girl. Or mm. bam, I, I don't even know what I'm studying. I don't, I don't even know why I did this law degree or anything. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I started in design and I really enjoyed design, but I mean, there's there no way I was going to follow through with that. Mm. Just because it was it was cool, mm. yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of some of the the, uh, the. I mean, culture's got a big part of it. Otherwise, these crises wouldn't exist. Yeah, culture, education, and yeah. programming. Yeah, yeah. there's um, there's a psychologist um, Eric Erickson. I don't know where I find these names. He's a real <laughs> dude. In the 1960s, he's a Viking, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I, He's got pigtails. Eric Erickson, 1960s, he, um, he used the term epigenic principle okay. of, of like of analyzing what this is, how children just follow their parents. 
All right. into the same sort of channel of, of work or, you know, he goes into more detail. There's obviously many different facets of that. Mm. But um, I think if, I think we can all see that, you know, we all grow into our parents in, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, personally, in my marriage life, I can see aspects of my dad in me. And it's like now I get, the best part is now I get to choose whether I accept that yeah. or whether I change it. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't choose because they're not aware Yes, yes, I think so. And that's awareness is like that first step. Yeah. But that's, that's also the development of your, of your compass. Like you, you need to know where you're at, where you're going and all yeah. that. Otherwise, you don't even realize that you need to make these moral decisions sometimes. And mm. they, they might not be, they might be fine for society to get on Facebook and write, yeah, you know, kill them. Those, those bastards, those drug dealers or whatever. Mm. And, you know, and it's accepted, so it's fine. But realistically, how can you condemn anyone to death? Yeah. Full stop. Well, the maxim of, there's a maxim of law that says, when a, a man's life hangs in the balance, no delay is too long. And I, I, think, <laughs> I think the idea really, um, well, well, the way I interpret that maxim is to say, just don't kill him. That's, <laughs> that would be my idea. Um, you know, any, any delay, you know, let the delay go on forever. That's that's works fine for me. These people have this idea about um, retributive justice, like it's it's the year, you know, it's the year two thousand fifteen, and people are still out for retributive justice. Like it's it's not, you know, it's not six thousand years ago. The the law of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth should be long expired. Uh, I think that's that idea has lost its usefulness, but some people still think that. You're talking about revenge, right? Yeah. Just straight out. That's like road rage. It's mm. like someone took your spot or your, your park and you need to beat them before the next lights. Yeah, or a car, they <laughs> key their car or something like that. <laughs> oh, it goes on forever. But you, but you never win. It's like that vicious cycle of, of always feeling disheartened over something. Yeah, uh, dig two graves. The man who sets out for revenge digs two graves, holding poison in your mouth with the intent that it will uh, kill somebody else, something like that. I hope you don't have any funny friends. <laughs> what? Funny friends? Yeah, you know, when you're out drinking and your friends do something dumb and all of a sudden you don't realize that you're drinking and you either drink it and start or you spray it out everywhere. <laughs> like imagine that. Okay. You're going to spit poison into everybody's eyes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you take everyone with you. Because you, you don't, you don't want to. Well, That's I mean, what you get for trying to poison me. Yeah, you're all coming with me. Yeah. <laughs> or you yeah. swallow it yourself. That, that's kind of where you're going, right? Mm. Like no. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, someone dies. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the thing because you have this bit of revenge in your mouth and you're going to swallow it. If you, if you don't swallow it, it's just going it's, it's to eat away at you no matter what. Yeah, so this is, I remember reading a, an article a few months ago and it said, then I think there's some science to back this up and I'll need to check, so we'll put it in the show notes. But the, the thing is, um, people who are um, congenial and nice and they're not um, confrontational at all, um, those are the people who are more likely to go along with an unreasonable command. Um, 
And the people who are who might seem cantankerous or mean or in your in your face, willing to confront you, willing to tell the truth, perhaps. Um, and you know, sometimes these people are unpopular. But a lot of the time, if these people are put in a tough position uh, and they're told to do something which they know is wrong, those are the people who will stand up and say no. And those are the people you want in your corner without question. <laughs> so um, another movie which I, I thought was relevant was the um, Compliance in 2012. It came out and this is also based on a true story and it's, it's bizarre. The whole case is bizarre. There was, there was a guy or perhaps there was a, a group of people in the United States making these prank calls uh, to fast food joints and they would call them up and tell them that they were a police officer or someone of authority and slowly convince the, the staff to do more and more uh, disturbing things at the point where they were strip searching one of their employees or even sexually abusing one of their, their fellow employees. And this just um, gets, it gets crazy because um, you realize there, there are scores of these cases, maybe 100 or 200 of these cases. Of course, there were a lot of cases where the people in the fast food joint were like, no, you know, you're not a police officer. This is ridiculous. Click, hang up. And uh, like some, some um, fast food chains were issuing memos um, about this, but everybody at the, a lot of people just thought it was a joke. And so some of these fast food franchises didn't issue the memo because they were like, what are you talking about? Like someone called up over the phone and because of that, somebody was sexually abused in the restaurant. That makes no sense. You're crazy. We can't release this memo. Get it's just going to make like someone's playing a joke on us. It does sound like a good platform for reality television though. <laughs> Wow, yeah, watching the surveillance cameras and seeing how far the person can push it. Or a game show, you know. Can can you get the employees exactly. to strip each other naked? Bing! That's a hundred thousand dollars. You you win this this episode of persuasion. I think we all won. <laughs> I don't think so. Depends if it wasn't consensual. How how much is the uh how much are the staff getting paid for this incident? Yeah, so and of course then there are the, the experiments like the Milgram experiment where someone is told that when they adjust the, this dial, they're going to be actually affecting how much electricity is put through somebody by electric shock in another room. And uh, in some versions of the experiment, this the other person tells 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 the um, the person with the dial that they've got a heart condition or they, you know, they can't, they can't take, um, anxiety or something like that. And they, they found this ridiculous amount of people in this, in, at least in this, um, under the guidance of, of Milgram, they found a ridiculous amount of people actually went through with it. The, the, um, Psychologists beforehand or the psychiatrists beforehand predicted that because only only about one percent of the population is, is sociopaths or psychopaths that that would be 
the amount of people that would go through it or the amount of people that were sadistic, dark personality traits. Those are the only type of people that would do it. But in the end, of course, they found that like more than 90% of people would go through to the extent that it would um, that, that it would hurt somebody and perhaps be enough electricity to kill them. Um, and in this simulation, which they thought was real. Do they explain why they thought that? Why they thought, why right. they thought what? Well, firstly, why they thought maybe only psychopaths would go that far. But then was there an idea why everyone, 90%, you know, mm-hmm. nearly everyone went through it? Was that, was that affected the audience or affected not taking it seriously? Or? Yep. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get into some more details about the methodology. But, the, the, I mean, the reason they thought it was 1% or, or, you know, a very low percentage was because they wouldn't expect regular people to want to inflict pain on others and, and put them at uh, risk of the health. Mm. But what happened was with um, in, in the actual situation, what was happening was there's, a, there's a, the experimenter um, sitting there in, in a white coat and when the, the, the teacher, that is the, the subject who is adjusting the dial to um, adjust these fictional electric shocks, um, whenever the, the person adjusting the dial uh, says, no, like this, I can't continue, this is not right, then the experimenter will say, continue. It is imperative that you continue. And, and then eventually they would say, I will assume any responsibility if anything goes wrong. So there's these two factors that come in here is authority and removal of responsibility. So some someone in charge is telling you that you don't have to you don't have to worry about getting in trouble for it and they're telling you in an authoritative way. Um, that, so in, an, in another version of the experiment, it was a, a, a colleague or someone that who the person saw as a peer, um, telling them to adjust up the dial, and they found that that people almost never did it, or it might have been even it might have even been that nobody did it. So it it was the fact that this person was seen as a superior, and or holding a, a superior position, and because of that, they they went through with it. Of course, yeah. So I wonder if in cases like this, uh, these kids in Chihuahua. Like like we were saying, is one of them the ringleader? Um, maybe it's it's just one one person who's very sadistic and riles up the rest of them, tells them authoritatively, tells them, "Hey, I'm I'm older, and you're going to do what I, I say." So I think I'm feeling it was one of the chicks. Yeah, like well, I, it could I, be the influence, like these boys trying to impress them. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I mean. I really got no idea what happened, but I, I, can, I can see that being like that falling into place pretty yeah. quick. And of course, you know, the, any of, any of the, the kids could have thought, well, if I don't, if I don't play cool, you know, I could be next. Mm. And of course, you know, they group think comes in, you know, better be part of the crew. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. you know, we're, we're all in of soon as, as soon as they've realized they've gone too far, then, then it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt the kid, but, you know, he already had 20 stab wounds. You know, I guess I just poke him once just to, you know, just to mm. keep peace, to stay good with the rest. It's, it's really hard to say what happened a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, the authority, someone initiated this. Mm. And then everything kind of just fell into place. It's really, it's really unnerving thinking about that. 
tweet us on Twitter and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket Casts. One factor I think is really important is in this, like you mentioned, how Mexican culture is very violent. And I, I think there's a lot of violence that, that comes from the parents. Uh, and I've, I've already, like, I don't have any kids, but I'm already starting to think about this, uh, like influence, from, especially from uh, Stefan Molyneux, uh, the way he, he talks about, um, like, hitting your children. I'm like, no, that's like, that, that to me, it's absolutely immoral. Um, there's no way I would want to do that um, any more than I would want to hit anybody, any of my friends or my girlfriend or whatever. Stefan says that you should, that it's, it's cool to hit kids? No, he's, Stefan Molyneux said it's, it's not cool and he says that uh, it, man, it yeah. may lead to um, mental problems, mental disorders. Yeah, well, I mean, being, being a fan of some of his points of view, you caught me by surprise. I thought, doesn't seem like him to want to hit your kids. <laughs> no, no, that's no, that's definitely the opposite of what he was saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mexican culture. I mean, we're we look at the piñata. Mm. You know, we're all about bashing <laughs> shit. You know, I was at my my friend Dero's um, birthday party the other night, and they they went through like six of the girls were hitting the piñata. And uh, then they, they put the blindfold on me and, and I, I had a swing. And I, I still don't know, really know what happened, but I had the stick in my hand, swinging it at the piñata. I thought I had it in my sight, in my, like, using hit? the force. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what I hit, but when I took, I, I took the blindfold off and the stick was in two pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah. And nobody told me what happened. So uh, I don't know. It, did, it didn't work out. It's because the blindfold's the authority. Put that on, like I, I got a blindfold on. I'm not responsible. And well, you, and everyone starts waving, and kids are getting hit. And yeah. Well, a few people screaming. almost got hit. There was a few close calls, if not it, from me, but if there's no close calls, it's not a good party. <laughs> That's why they feel like lollies. It's like you know the reward and the risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mentioned like. Talking about about um, like physically disciplining your your children with with uh, with violence, and and you said you might find it difficult in the future. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, this has been it's been an interesting point of view because mm. I mean, the last couple of years uh, I've come to realize that you know there really isn't a need for violence in in the household, in your life, in the community. Like it mm. just like the escalation from violence ends up in a world war. So, you know, if you, yeah. you need to remove it, you know, the, the key, um, yeah. you know, from, from your lounge room, from your house. Like, yes. you know, you, you get rid of it there and there's really no conflict. Yes, um, yes. So I thought, you know, I, well, I've always grew up thinking, yeah, of course, you've got you to discipline your kids or, then, or they're going to turn out a little bit crazy or, you know, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be good, good people. Um, yeah, and I guess but, well, that's a, that word discipline, and this is like a, a euphemism. Like, yeah, discipline, mm. it's something good. Well, discipline, as you normally use it, it means to to like self discipline, like uh, getting yourself motivated when you you don't um, when you don't feel that motivated doing things, even if you don't feel like it. But um, in the, in this sense, a lot of people use like beating the crap out of your child. That's not discipline. That's <laughs> disgusting <laughs> they got a lesson 
<laughs> I mean, now oh, he gets yeah. it, right? You, you, don't, you don't draw on the wall. He's two years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't understand that he did yeah. Well, I think most, I think, uh, yeah, I think most people our age would have grown up with, with discipline of, of a violent manner. Mm. I think that, that's quite normal. And, uh, of course, you know, like in, in my house when I was growing up, um, my mum and dad, of course, being of the, the era, mm. that was like a normal way to discipline your children. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've later come to realize that, like I said, there's no, there's no need for it. Um, but a, a good example is, what I say? I said to you, um, I, I might have trouble, you know, holding back. And um, I guess the only way I can relate to that is it was, uh, with Joanna's dog, Wally. Mm. Like the other day, it ripped out all my pineapples, well, two mm. pineapples. And, like, and I'm oh, trying to Wally. grow pineapples. And I was like, you know, of course, I put some, some I guess, compost water on my pineapple, makes them grow better. And Wally must have smelt that and thought there's some gold at the bottom of this pot. I better get into it. <laughs> so I've, I've come home after a big day and I've looked at my patio and there's two pineapples, like like fish out of their out of their pond, and dirt everywhere. And Wally's looking at me like, "Hey, this is what I do. Are you proud of me?" Like I swear, I saw him with his arms folded and he was looking at me like, "Look what I did <laughs> on his back legs." Yeah, looking were, like a bouncer. To, yeah, Wally he's, he's, in his b boy stance. He, he crosses his back legs and he sits, and I swear he crosses his arms. All right, he does. He's, he's a cool dog. <laughs> But, Chilling uh, <laughs> at the club in my b-boy stance, got my hoodie on, I'm like under my pants, because I'm fresh. <laughs> he can't breathe, but I'm sure he can rap. All right. Uh, and I was like, that's it. Wally, you're going to get it. Like, and, uh, you know, I'm looking for a stick or something, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? Are you, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to punish this dog? I, so, um, yeah, I'm trying, I am trying to train him. So I, yeah. I, I got like a squirter that I squirt water at him. Yeah, because well, he doesn't like that. But I mean, that's kind of—is that violent? Squirting water at your dog? I don't know. It's definitely the low end. I wouldn't call it violence, but it's—I don't know. It's—it's. He doesn't I don't like know it. how that fits in, but um, I, I guess you're gonna have a. It's difficult. It's difficult with dogs. You're gonna have a way to communicate with them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's not my area of expertise. But I have heard like friends of mine that that have dogs. They say, yeah, we use peaceful training. Um, so there are definitely ways to do it. I don't know what they are, though. <laughs> well, I mean, my pineapple survived, so yeah, right. so there's no casualties, and um, you know, and Wally's still Wally. <laughs> but I mean, I, I can see that. Like I saw that example. Like I, I could feel like there was there was like a oh, oh you know, like uh, I need to I need to do something here, and I thought, yeah, well, where is that coming from? Is, mm. is this like is this my epigenetical inheritance? inheritance of of parents and their parents and civilization and cultural society telling me that i need to i need to take out this this feeling of of mm. something didn't go my way or this shouldn't have happened so I, you know i need to attack it with violence yeah well um, one thing i have heard it's a slight deviation from that but i can't answer your question but uh, <laughs> i i think it's mainly about just the way you're raised but what i've heard as well is that the idea of raising children didn't come in until the agricultural era. So, so when uh, when people were still uh, like living nomadically and they didn't grow crops or anything like that, they just moved from place to place. Uh, like the their connection with nature 
was similar to their connection with children. Like you don't force a plant to grow. You don't you don't need to encourage a plant uh, or you don't need to slap a, a plant when it doesn't grow correctly. And and likewise their attitude to children was you don't need to you don't need to do anything to a child other than be you know be there. Um, and be be the friend or be be a guide, I guess is the better word. Yeah. Yeah, like the example role model. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And that's what I heard as well. I mean, of course, humans are herd animals and elephants are also herd animals. And what tends to happen with uh, elephants, if they, if, they, if they grow up without any adult elephants, then, of course, they don't have these role models. And what happens is there's a high degree of delinquency among these elephants, which it sounds like quite a strange thing on its surface, but these these elephants, instead of uh, living peacefully and respecting each other, they'll become violent, they'll stampede cities and, and all sorts of silly stuff, uh, which they most likely would not do if they had proper parenting. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting analogy. Yeah, I never, I never thought of that, but that makes sense. Mm. I mean, most elephants that you see on YouTube that are going wild are either in a circus or they're in a small pen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, elephants are very interesting animals. But, um, yeah, I think about this, it's a kind of cycle of violence and and, uh, a lot of people say stuff like, well, my parents beat me and I turned out okay. But that's (laughs) what you call a post hoc ergo propter hoc conclusion. It's It's just like saying... Oh well, I never wear a seatbelt. I never got into an accident. Well, who cares? I mean, that's that doesn't actually prove anything. It's almost entirely meaningless. I mean, it's like one one case out of thousands. People have conducted studies and shown that uh, beating your kids leads to mental disorders. But um, yeah, it's or the other the other way to look at it is you say, oh, okay, you turned out all right. But you think it's you think it's a cool thing to do to like whack your four year old child? Did you really turn out all right? Well, I guess the question is, the four year old child is not going to turn out all right. Yeah, well, that's a, they they might not. I mean, it it really depends. It depends on the child. It depends on a lot of factors. Um, but um, maybe that four-year-old child will grow up again and decide to in- inflict pain on his child. So, you know, in, in any case, it's it's not really cool. Yeah, but it's, to, it's to not, break to break the chain. Yeah. Then, uh, then there's no there's no waiting for. Well, then the four-year-old child did turn out okay, or mm. did turn out okay. I guess you know you have you have the choice to break that chain. Mm. I guess that, that's kind yeah. of the. Um, the, the taking the, the action and making the choice yeah. to look for other ways. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember growing up in my house, uh, yeah, and my, my parents did use this, this kind of, you know, violence uh, to raise us. And I, I think probably they used less and less as, as they went through the kids. So I'm the third child. Uh, maybe I didn't receive it so bad. But what I... I'm, Upon reflection in recent years, I thought about like when my older brother and my, my older brother was trying to look out for me, but what he would do if he saw me doing something like crossing the road while the little red man was there, he would come up and punch me. Why? Why did he do that? 
Like, why would he think that's an appropriate thing to do? He's actually hitting me because he wants me to, he wants to take care of me. How perverse is that? Think, think about that. And I remember one time when, and, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but one time I was like, he pushed me onto the bathroom floor and he was like standing on my head. Now that's not a sane, normal thing to do, but maybe it is if you've been taught by violence. How, uh, how's that relationship now with your brother? Like, all cool? Like you said, he probably doesn't remember. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't talk to him all that much. Um, but it's it's amicable, sure. I think I can reflect the same way and say that you know in my family it was it was the same. You know, as we mm. grew up, there was pretty less and less of of the you know violent nature of um, of discipline. Mm. But I mean, I, I I can see it that you know I I pretty was the older brother that was punching everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a this is a thing that we all go through when when. Um, People are violent to us. It's, it's not a surprise. Like, it doesn't come from nowhere. Um, kids are violent a lot of the time because people are violent towards them. And it's, yeah, it's this complete, like, topsy-turvy, upside-down world. Like, everybody knows it's not all right to assault somebody or commit battery against somebody. But when it's your kid, open season. No, no. That's, uh, that's nuts. I guess... At what point do you realize you can choose not to? Like, you know, I, I said, you know, we all have a choice. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if that's, that's what dad did and that's what his dad did, mm. it's like, you know, I'm just, that, that's just who I am. <laughs> right? Well, that's a scary idea, who, who you are as a child, Peter. Um, but, you know, our, our grandparents, well, maybe not our grandparents, maybe, maybe our great-grandparents or their, their great-great-grandparents, um, maybe the, the, the grandfather hit the, hit the wife. Um, people don't do that anymore because it's, well, people, some people still do it, but at least it's, it's not socially acceptable. It's You're not, not going to be proud of it. You're not, not going to flaunt it. easy to get away with anymore. Exactly, yeah. Wives talk these days. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're allowed yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, even you know, even if they, if, if t- times when they did talk and they say, "Oh, my husband beat me," and and that was like a normal thing, so there's nothing a woman could do about it. Yeah, well, these days it still happens. Actually, I think it might be more common the reverse situation where a woman is is violent towards a man, um, but because that's that's more socially acceptable still. It is. It is acceptable. Yeah, like you can see these videos where a man comes up to a woman on the street or they're, they're fighting and the man starts hitting her and and uh, everybody comes over and they're like, hey, what are you doing, bro? Settle down. Like, what do you think this is? And with the opposite situation, people will be like, ha, look at that guy getting beat up by his girlfriend. Well, what a laugh. You know what I was surprised about a couple of years back? Mm. Was, that, was that a show called Jersey Shore? Yeah. And... I think Snooki got belted at, mm. at the bar, and I was almost surprised that they would air that. Mm. It's like um, I can't remember who the characters were, but you know, someone—I don't even know if they meant to punch her or not—but she got right. hit. She got punched square in the face. You know, got knocked to the ground. And I would—I mean, even then when I saw it, I thought that was so like graphic to see a, a female take a full blow. 
mm. that, you know, I, I question whether that should even be on television. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point, actually. But it was, it was prime time US international A grade television. Mm. Yeah, well, you can see that uh, people watch cops and, and the cops do the weirdest thing. They're like, oh, this guy won't take his hands out of his pockets. And then they take him down, like tackle him, slam him against the concrete. And people, are, people get excited about that. And that's this. Yeah, some kind of reflection of our culture. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, no, definitely a, a cultural, a cultural thing. I think we are changing though. Like mm. it, it is changing. I just don't see it changing fast. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Well, I wonder how long it took for like wife beating to stop become to to cease being acceptable. I'm sure it took many many generations. But now people are people are definitely asking this question. I'm asking a lot of people these questions and they don't always like it. <laughs> yeah, well I mean I recently you um you know I been in been in a married relationship. Mm. You know, it's I guess these sort of situations are I mean not that it's ever come you know it's even crossed my mind. Yeah. But being in the in the relationship, I wonder, you know, what I look at other couples that you know mm. that, that you know mm. that something's going on, you know, black eyes and things kind of give it away, mm. and you wonder, like, how did it how did it come to that? Mm. Like, what level of frustration or inability to communicate must you reach to want to knock out your wife? I, I don't. I can't compute well, that. Yeah, th- this is the thing because if all you when when you're growing up. Um, you know, people can be very impressionable when, when they're quite young. And if they don't get taught communication skills then, and, and, and they get taught violence instead, then that's always going to be your last resort for them. So especially when they get frustrated, like cross that line, that's it. You know, I don't even know how to, like, I, I think it gets to this point where people are like, I don't know how to explain myself. Mm. Or I don't know how to make you see things my way. I don't know how to logically convince you. I can't calm myself enough. I don't have the emotional intelligence. And so they they hit people just as they were taught. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, let's stick with Mexican culture. Yeah. I think we're in a world that's very um, machista, you know, very men. Yeah, very macho. Macho men. Male dominated. Exactly. Yeah, especially in Mexico. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And we just we we can't talk about emotions. Like a man can't be upset. Really? Yeah. But then I mean, you know, not not without a good three kilometers down, and then <laughs> then all of a sudden there's a group of men crying together, or sobbing <laughs> in the corner of a party, and then that's that's the uncle business. That's totally cool. <laughs> all right. It's a it's a crazy culture. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, but I mean, but you can't you can't talk about your emotions. Like, mm. I, like if, if a guy's whinging in Mexico, what is he? Um, a faggot. I think that's the <laughs> translation, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, that's pretty the, much. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's not even if he's whinging. I mean, that's just he's talking about his, his feelings. Mm. Mm. I, that, that's, that's not on. Yeah. I think that, that's also like an inherited cultural issue. That, that's only going to give more power to, you know, this type of behavior mm. because there, there's no way of processing um, or communicating, processing feelings, communicating feelings. There's no place for it in society. Yep. So psychologically, there's a lot of t- 
time bombs walking around. Mm. Is um, I'm, I'm not sure of scientific terms for it, but I've been wound up and never been able to unwind. I think it's a, a cultural problem. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's like you can have all these emotions from things that happen and, and never been given a framework to like to say how they make how to make sense of it. And yeah, it's just like throwing a bunch of chemicals and in, in a pot in the kitchen and <laughs> and not knowing exactly which ones or, or how to turn off the uh, how to turn off the oven. Yeah. Yeah, it's um just my interactions have been being here and married, it's almost like there's certain leeway that mm. Mexican men have, especially yeah. married Mexican men, where it's like, well, you know, he didn't, he didn't come home for a couple of days. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, just make sure that you know, everything's nice when he comes home. Make sure that everything's nice. Yeah. Why? Because it's, it's culturally accepted that I guess um, that the Mexican men need to just take off for a bit. Okay. It, it's okay. All, it's okay. almost like... Well, um, but, but then why, why do you need to make sure everything's nice when he comes home? That, sound, that sounds like this 1950s housewife thing. Is that what it is? I, I think that's still very much here. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Mm. Like we're, we're, we've gone back in time. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm reflecting on, you know, looking at Joanna and her friends. Yeah. And, and they, they're very accepting of, it's almost like there's this notion of, you know, if my husband cheats on me, I just hope that she's more attractive than me. I hope that she's more attractive than me. Yeah. Why? Because I, I would hate to be cheated on for someone less than me. <sighs> okay. Okay. How do you process then, that? Yeah, there's so many... I, I, I don't know where to even begin with the analysis, but that's, that's like a problem too because like, okay, I hope she's more attractive than me, but that also means that he might leave you for her. Um, it also means that you're not as attractive. You're, you're not so attractive well, this, uh, in this comparison. Plays, this this plays into the playing nice when he comes home. Mm. It's like they're, they're still very much there. That... that 50s notion of being like the nice, the nice housewife is still mm. very, very strong here in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So to any of those 50s men that want a 50s wife, no, I, I can't say that. Wow. Like, uh, I think Mexico will change, but it's uh, it's in a slow course. Yeah, there's, uh, there's yeah, there's definitely a lot of cultural and social problems here. The uh, the cage, the I family, think, especially yeah. um, the the economic situation. Mm. I think that there's no, there hasn't been any economic liberation of of Mexican families. So those dynamics of of I mean the, the structure of family is and, and the interactions have stayed very suppressed. You know, old school. Mm. Mm. I mean, if you're a wife with kids and you can't, you know, you can't expect to leave and have somewhere to go and have a man look after you. Mm. That, that's, that's what I'm assuming you'd look for. Yeah. But there's just no money to do that. So you deal with it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of amazing that humans can uh, do so much or human, humanity in general can do so much, achieve so much, produce so much. When we're so imperfect, it's like you're describing this kind of walking time bomb, man, Mexican man. And, and this is... 
Like, I'm sure that's not something that's entirely unique to Mexican culture. I'm sure that's something that goes on or has been going on all around the world and probably in the past to greater and greater extents as, as you look back, people get bloodier and bloodier. And, and uh, yeah, I think it is quite remarkable how peaceful the world is uh, relatively. <laughs> yeah, okay, relatively, yes. Because if you take out some of the big actors in the in the violence internationally, mm. like if you remove some of the some of the signals for the wars, then then really, I mean, most of us do live in in comfortable communities, mm. irrespective of what country you're in. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think the main thing, yeah, is definitely about stopping violence towards children and learning ways to communicate with them. And I think as adults. That's our responsibility to develop ourselves. We, we, we can control ourselves. Uh, we do have the, the tools that we need. We, can, we have the internet these days. We can read all, all kinds of personal development things about, about controlling your own emotions and, and find, finding ways to, to treat people more respectfully. And so I do think that's, that is on us. That is our onus. That's, that is what we have to do as, as adult humans because children uh, don't have a choice and they can be um, impressed with, with these type of negative uh, behaviors very easily and it can just it can it can change someone's entire life it can literally change someone's entire life if, if you have children and you're, you're treating them uh, in, in a way that belittles them or is is damaging to them physically yeah, but that's kind of the thing with children to understand mm-hmm. that they. I mean, I know the cliches. You know, children are tomorrow's children of the future. You know, children yes. are tomorrow's world. Yes. Um, but I don't think very many cultures have accepted that. Mm-hmm. And when I was in when I was in Norway, they look at children as in little adults. Yeah. And that that changes that changes everything from a from a fundamental level. And you wonder why you know why is Norway you know top countries of the world. Yeah, and across it's civilized across many aspects. Mm. Like, well, actually, military service is still mandatory in Norway. I think. I don't think it's, <laughs> it's a bad thing, though. I do, I do. Mandatory anything is a is a bad thing. I mean, the, maybe the military service itself isn't so bad. You know, getting physically fit, learning some some skills or something like that. But the the fact that it's mandatory like we're going to force you we're going to mm. steal two years of your life from you yeah yeah that that's that's not cool that's definitely not cool yeah that's that's an interesting point yeah well, it, it's it's like the um it's like going to school i think i said in an early episode you know you try and make the most of a bad situation mm. and you, you try and enjoy it for what it is yeah but, um, yeah of course press like on youtube like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ and Trouble Bubble and show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. Mandatory military service. Yeah, what a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was in the news the other day because one of the royal family, Prince Harry, or someone was like, Maybe it's the man I am today. Uh, 
it should be should be mandatory for everybody. Like what what uh what era are you living in? Nah. Living in the dark ages, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the thing is, um yeah, about about children well about yeah, about Norway, like you said, they're treated like adults and an idea will never be will never be dismissed because it comes from a child. Uh like if you have an idea, it's it's just as valuable, no matter who you are. And that's like, I, I haven't been to Norway yet, but I would like to visit there because uh, I find that like almost this step in evolution because what normal people do, you know, you know this quote, like regular people or mediocre people talk about people and um, above average people talk about events and superior people talk about ideas. And what people normally do, if you present an idea, if you say, "Ah, oh, well, this this scientist thought this, or, or this, you know, this philosopher thought this," Ayn Rand said this, and they will say, "Well, she was a stinking capitalist, right wing bitch, um, who who um, was a hypocrite and liked to smoke, or something like that." And then with that, they, they dismiss the entire body of work of of a, of a human being uh, and dismiss all of her arguments, like. I don't have to address their arguments. I addressed this one behavior that she had. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of attitude that people have. So in Norway, it's like they don't have that idea of ad hominem. Uh, like they don't attack a person. They, they investigate the idea. Yeah, they, they try to. <laughs> because, of course, you know, we're all, we're all people, irrespective of the society. Mm. Um, it's... It's a very interesting country because mm. you, you do feel the difference. Right. Like just interactions with family, um, you feel the difference. And I think, um, well, most honestly, I, 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 mean, I know a handful of Norwegian people mm. and they, um, they, they, are, they are a little bit more open-minded, mm. like just in general across the board. So I think that's definitely got something to say for their, for their culture and education system. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, well, um, sometimes people mention to me this, like, about beating children. Like, they say to me, no, you know, sometimes children need it. Um, it's discipline or whatever. They make these three or four arguments and repeat them uh, until it makes you sick. And I say, well, hang on. Um, so what's the, what's the idea behind beating a child? I mean, is, is it going to get them to do what you say? And they and I had I remember I had one friend say to me, "Oh no, um, if, if I mean if they actually do what you say after that, you're actually lucky." I'm like, "Really? So you're telling me the only benefit of beating your children is that it might possibly momentarily result in compliance?" Yes. The negatives. The child, the child fears a reprisal. It learns to deceive you. The child learns to deceive you because it wants to keep things hidden if, it knows, if he knows he's going to get beaten. Inflicting pain on a child, like of itself, that should be enough. That should tell you this is not a good idea. If you're inflicting pain on someone to get what you want, that is not a good way to live your life. Um, Child learns important lesson. People you love hurt you. 
Yeah. Uh, That's a good one to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're setting him him up for a a problematic life with that one. It really sounds sick, doesn't it? It does. It it is sick. It is a sickness. Um, And I think I think the cure is coming. I, I think people are getting switched on to this. Um, possible increased risk of mental or social disorder. Yeah. Even just in our lifetime, in Australia, we've seen regulation, rules, some kind of protocols mm. to, you know, what, what, is, what is like abuse, what is physical abuse when it comes mm. to spanking or disciplining your children. Yep. And... Yep. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, it sounded silly because we all knew parents are going to hit their kids anyway, and it's all, yeah, these, all these examples. Like, the, the the law came in, and it's like you're not allowed to hit your child with any implement. And I was like, I remember all those times that my mom hit me with a wooden spoon. That was a, the favorite thing. No, you got it off easy, man. <laughs> well, the belt was, of course, the belt was always a big one as well. But even when the rules came in, it was, it was like you know like the pinch under the arm and just wait till you get home. Mm. Things like this. So, you know, you get in the car and, uh, you know, I'm talking for myself, but I mean, that was kind of the, the understanding. Mm. But I, I think what, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, when we don't need government to turn around and say, you know, don't hit your kids. Because you said like, you know, we're, we're moving towards uh, an understanding and awareness. Yes. That, you know, you don't need to do that. And I think, I think yes. you're right, but I think it's, it's still to the individual to empower themselves Absolutely. with knowledge and understanding of the outcome yeah. and then yeah. to take it into their own self and decide, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perhaps not give in to my, to my weakness and yeah. follow suit by doing what, what my parents did because mm. it feels natural. Mm. And, you know, I, I'll buy a book and research on how to parent. Yeah, buy, buy several. <laughs> or, or just don't have kids. Like that, that's pretty common too. <laughs> well, that is that is becoming more common these days. Well, my friend Erin told me a story. Uh, she has a young child, or two now, um, her, her boy Lenny. And uh, she told me this story where uh, Lenny had, had seen someone like in the supermarket or something, seen a parent hit that, hit that child. And... Lenny said, what, what is going on? I, I don't understand. And Aaron had to, Aaron was put in this awkward position of having to explain to a child that some parents hit their children. And uh, Lenny said, but don't they love them? Um, like, you know, tears in his eyes and everything. Uh, and that's, I think out of, you know, out of the mouths of babes, this innocent, innocent eyes that see things and uh, see, thing, see things so clearly that um, it, it represents what, uh, what we really need to do about that. Love means not hitting people. I guess the, the next level to that is you can't let your, I mean, you shouldn't be hitting other people. Hmm. Like uh, I'm, I imagine in children watching their dad or mum hit someone else. Mm. Yeah, and it's like you know, children can't. 
they, they shouldn't witness that. Yes. Yes. It's, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a part of a modern person's life to witness violence on a regular basis. It's just not right. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. I think learning this type of moral compass and preventing this type of violence where, where children go out and join, join gangs or beat up homeless people or, or um, injure a poor six-year-old child. I think that's where it comes in. I think it comes in in this education, uh, giving people the skills of philosophy, being able to think through what is right. So when they get into the situation that's unusual, that's unfamiliar, and maybe where they have free reign, they don't take advantage of that. That's really the only way to change it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, it's the best one. It's the best one I have at the moment. Well, know? I mean, <laughs> looking at <laughs> looking at the news. I mean, yeah. that, that report where they, everyone's like, "Oh no, how how do these kids? How do they do that? You know, what's wrong with them? They're they're sick. There's something here. Like, there's uh, hmm. how did this happen? Yeah. And you know, there's there's obviously no mirrors there to realize. Well, you know, how about you ask the the right questions? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. where where do these kids grow up? Yeah. That's right. You yeah. know, how much shit do they watch on television? Yeah, yeah, that has something to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, you got any last, last words? <laughs> Final thoughts? That, that, was my, my last, that was my last thought. Kill right. the babysitter. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a cable guy. Cut the cable. Cut, cut the cable. Yeah. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Turn the TV off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Call in the cable guy and get him to cut your cable. Just okay. Do it yourself. <laughs> it's not that hard. All right. Uh, my name's Kurt Robinson. My name's Aaron Battle. Press like on YouTube. Press subscribe on YouTube. Have a visit. Have a perv. Have, have a gander at a website, www.theparadiseparadox.com. And press subscribe on iTunes, press subscribe on Pocket Casts, and we really appreciate it when you go on donate.theparadiseparadox.com and say something, put your money where your mouth is, and say to us, Kurt and Aaron, we love you. We'll get down on our knees and pray before you and give you one thousandth of a bitcoin to represent our love uh and that that is such a beautiful gesture when you do that so that, that makes us feel good and fuzzy and warm inside uh so so when you say to us that our work is valuable we absolutely do appreciate it uh, by by going to donate.theparadiseparadox.com and giving us a few bones suggested donation one us dollar per episode that you like and also you if you're going to buy something on Amazon, another way that you can support us is go to theparadiseparadox.com, click on the shop Amazon link, and it's not going to inconvenience you. It's not going to cost you any extra, but it does mean that we get a small commission. So if you're going to buy a 10-pack of chrome-plated dildos, make sure you follow that shop Amazon link and get those delivered directly to your home in a sealed, discreet, discreet package. And, oh yeah, follow us on Twitter, uh, at Trouble Bubble. At BattleAZ. Sweet. See you next time. I think you said it.
Uh, because, I don't know, maybe it's in my dirty mind. <laughs> hey guys, if you want to check the full show notes for this episode, just head on over to www.theparadiseparadox.com slash 37. That's theparadiseparadox.com slash 37. And that'll tell you all the related links and interesting articles that we referenced during this episode. And thanks for listening. Thanks for being cool. Thanks for being awesome. And I'll see you next time. Bye.